0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Paper Tuesdays with Michael Dennis Dwyer and Mark Patrick Halpin Mark, how are you today? Super, I'm unbelievable
1: Michael, I just got out of the sea there so I'm fresh, nice and clean, I had my wee I'm glad you're relieved, Mark, now for our guest for episode 11. It's Mark Redmond. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, lads. Thanks for having me. Um, did you ever think you'd come to a podcast in you? It's uh, one of my life ambitions. It's,
2: it's now ticked off the bucket list. It's, it's a dream come true.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we, we'll uh, look into all your life story later on. But I suppose we'll start off with the Parish of the Week this week. And it comes from the Limerick leader Parish of the week Mungrit Krakora Rahin. That joined parish there and am probably pronouncing those names wrong But it's, they've teamed up with Limerick Racecourse And they're going to have the confirmation ceremonies there At the racecourse so, it's, it's a, a way to get around social distancing. Uh, the local priest is working with the racecourse manager. They're confident they, they can pull off the ceremonies with a And the racecourse manager said that the racecourse is ready and willing to provide us a, a space for community events during these unusual times. So, what do you make of this, Mark? Super <coughs> stuff, Michael. I heard there was a big argument beforehand over who was getting starting position on the inside rail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That used to be always the way of confirmation who got to sit where Yeah, and, you know, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, like was families right. were I, I wasn't allowed to sing at my own confirmation were you uh, Me and two other lads were asked to mime the words while everyone else got to <laughs> sing because in practice we were so bad. so I don't think Martin will be asking me along anytime soon
2: <laughs> Speaking of confirmations uh, I, I was at one today it was, they had the Castletown one in Gory didn't they? Oh, because of uh, restrictions and stuff I think oh I think they did yeah I was only like at the afters anyway <laughs> and also about where you sit at your confirmations I was sitting at the very front position right up there because uh, when I was in sixth class I was asked to play at some point it was either the reflection after communion or whatever I, don't, I can't remember what it was but uh, it was the first big huge crowd I'd ever played at packed St. Michael's Church I was nervous as feck it was the first big thing for me and I uh, sitting up in front, had the rosette, you know, those red rosettes. Oh, yeah. The thing was hopping off my chest with a nervousness. Jeez. So, anyway, yeah, that was it. That was my big
1: break in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's gas to see it at a race court. I, I think fair play to the race court because nowadays you're, you know, these normally are big corporations or whatever that wouldn't be open to having events. And, like, here's one willing to work with the local community and have an event. I think I'm just... Uh, Blown away by that now I believe Tolfer actually opened up In the stands <laughs> 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 Taking bets On who's going to Break their pledges first <laughs> Very good Well Munger Krakora And Raheem Congratulations Parish of the week This week Moving on then to the Psycho Champion and they covered the story of Sigo Tidy Towns and when we were had Basil on we were talking about uh, painting walls. This is a similar enough one but I thought they deserved kudos for this uh, very colourful and bright mural dedicated to frontline workers. It included a nurse, guard, factory worker, handyman and shop worker and they've come up with the clever idea of making the mural graphic a postcard too that he can give for the, a frontline worker that you know. So um, yeah fair play to psycho Tidy Towns as well. All good stuff. This week, Mark They are. There's no none in scary for Ash, is there? Your, your no. girlfriend's a frontline worker herself. She is. Yeah, yeah. She's working on the frontline,
0: all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they were they're cutting the wages of the frontline workers again, aren't they? They're bringing them back down to the regular. All right. Level, I believe. Yeah, because uh, I was talking to James. Now he won't put this in a flash flood, but he wasn't happy about uh No, sorry. He <laughs> was happy that it was going back to the original wage. Oh,
3: so.
1: right. Okay. Yeah, James. James has many views, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> How did you find the whole pandemic, Mark? I know we'll get to it later, but, like, uh, it must have really put a lot of a halt on your...
2: Yeah, but I... If the truth be told, I've I've loved it because, um, as I was saying just before we started, like, the amount of travelling I was doing, it was getting a bit ridiculous, you know? So, uh... The first couple of weeks really hit me. It was like waking up every day. It was like Christmas, if you know what I mean. It was just this dead silence. Like, as I say, where I live, you can always hear trucks in the morning. You hear fans and everything else from the restaurant and everything else. It was so busy. And then for like a week or two or even four or five, there was just silence and it was brilliant. And, you know, in the last yeah. couple of weeks, you notice trucks again at half five in the morning and stuff. So, and I got a lot of stuff done in, in the, well, so far in a couple of months we've had off. I've got a lot of stuff that I've, you know, that I've been putting off for years and I've got to do it. So I'm thrilled.
1: Right, didn't you yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got. It's different though. Like you were performing most recently at the Folk Festival for Virginia, uh, or, or, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That I was yesterday. It? Yeah. So yeah.
2: yeah, that's that's the kind of downside. So um you know, you're either in a place like Philadelphia at the Culture Island uh, stage, or you're you know doing it online. You know. Yeah. So there's no like there's no cool trips, and there has been a couple of cool performances that were kind of put to the sword because of this. Um, and sure enough, like there's been plenty of opportunity and funding to do different things online and everything else. But it's not the same as going on and playing in a, in a real setting and real audience and stuff. Uh, and just the banter you have at those folk festivals during the summertime, you know, they're brilliant. Um so even going down to French's on a Thursday night here, like you just you miss those kind of things so much. You just, you know, we took it all for granted. You know, I'd love it. I'd fucking love to go down tomorrow night for <laughs> tunes and parties, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, Yeah. Uh, it's kind of 50-50. I'm happy enough uh, with what I've got done. And then, as I say, raging at all the cool stuff has been, you know, the Olympics, the hurling, everything, you know. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's certainly an event of, the, of our times anyway. And uh, yes, the, speaking of events of our times, well, Councillor Niall Dennehy in Tipperary, well, this man has a bee in his bonnet mark and he's had it for uh, quite some time. He So... I don't want to go too much into the politics now but uh, basically Clonmel used to have a mayorality and that meant that um, you know that there the was one key figure in the town and they gave out all the money and there was a lot of prestige attached to it mm-hmm. but then a lot of local governments lost their power and ability to buy funds back in 2011 so there are six councillors in the Clonmel area and all bar councillor Dennehy are happy enough with this but councillor Niall Dennehy he's not for turning he says it's a lollipop committee with a masquerade of a mayor and this has been a bookbearer of his and he was speaking to Tip FM last year about it and I came across this interesting clip. The reality is that councillors are the people who set the policy and that the executive
0: work for the elected members, not the other way around. To see what happened there tonight, like there were 60,000 in public money being uh, carved up by five people for the next five years uh, for a merity that doesn't really exist, right? Now, that that was the very same thing that happened at the county council meeting last week where all the committees were decided, and uh, my name wasn't mentioned once because I'm Niall not for sale Denny <laughs>
1: <laughs> Niall not for sale Denny and like, what I love about this is it's hit the local press every time he brings it up so he brought it up last year then he brought it up again in May and now again in June and every time it's Big Read Tipperary Live how's on Niall Denny. so you know he's not letting it go and he knows how to get a good story across to the people not really because I read the article twice when you sent it to me and now you've explained
0: it and played the thing for me I still don't understand what's happening <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just don't get it I like don't that. really I,
1: <laughs> but like what I find gas is that five other people like in normal Ireland like you know no one really looks up or down at politics a whole lot so they think oh that's the mayor he has a lot of power mm. now there's five people and they have their mayor chains and sure oh sure then he says there's nothing attached to you you've nothing behind you you know so it's it's a uh, it really ruins the party For those other five people Is what I'm trying to say So there's five mayors Is there Yeah the five mayors So you get a mayor each year So this year It's my turn Then it's your turn Then someone else gets a turn But now then He withdraws himself From the process And says I'm not being part Of this party shop You know so Or let him that's, on sure let him on But that's politics isn't yeah, it Yeah taking himself Off the shelf He's not for sale He's not for sale <laughs> Go to the Longford Leader, and this has a story. Again, this is a long, ramble of story, but this is about a man who appeared in court, and as the judge said himself, he, he could have thought that Santa Claus came early. He came across a blank bank balance one day, only to find that €17,000 had landed there. He didn't know that the bank had made an error in posting a new card to himself, instead of to the rightful owner of the money, who shared his name and lived in continental Europe. So there's a massive mistake, isn't it? (laughs) Well, sorry, the ramifications of it then, the man received it, he went to the bank, he got the pin number changed for the card, he convinced them, no, that's me, that's me. And then he spent 6,000 euro on gambling for Paddy Power. So he ended up in court then. So um, he gambled it away only in a few days and the judge weighed up up the circumstances and decided to accept the man's offer of paying off the debt with 1,000 euro that day and further payments to be decided at a court date in October.
0: See, what's every man's dream Michael get
1: a load of free money and go to
0: Vegas and drink and gamble it all the way this man just didn't go to Vegas so I think the only, in Longford. Yeah, the only yeah. crime here is impatience he couldn't wait to get to Vegas and go to the local <laughs> pubs and bars well said well said yeah. but, uh, in uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly a man who's needy been a gambling addiction but I can give him one piece of advice and that's if he puts that
1: 1000 on a 9 to 1 he can actually come out of this at a win <laughs> yeah, that's right <true. laughs> and then the bonus number for this week mark i suppose we forgot to mention that there was a story in our local newspaper there did you see this there only a few weeks ago it was in the gory gargen i don't really normally have stories from the gory gargen uh yeah so mark gory gargen drink driver crashed into priest on christmas morning so um it's about the parish there was Folks Mills and on Christmas day he was driving along at around nine o'clock that morning drink driving and he bumped into father Jim Curtis so the judge Described the defendant as an idiot for getting behind the wheel of a car while drunk and not insured. He was fined €1,000 in total and he was told uh, to avoid doing that in the future. So There you have it. <laughs> fair
0: enough. Yeah, yeah. That's Christmas <laughs> charity. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fair request. I actually, I know a story now. I'm not going to give out any names written like that. But yeah. a, a friend of a friend who's a um, middle-aged man now was one day playing a game of soccer up somewhere in Wicklow and these were back in the days where you know you could play your match and then go get a few pints after and head back to town or back to the wife or whatever you know you'd sort of drink your way back you'd stop in a pub every say half an hour and yeah. this lad was about three quarters of the way home so he would about six pints I'd say so i lad cut him off at T-junction so he followed the car around <laughs> and right. pulled the car over and he was flashing beep and i over get over Went up to the front of the car Pulled your man out of the car Pulled the fist back Looked at him And the collar he was holding him by Was a white collar On a a black shirt (laughs) No (laughs) way He he goes sorry father I'm so sorry Because this is back when like You know The priest was like Untouchable So he apologized
1: Put him back in the car And fucked off (laughs) That's a good story I wonder does uh, Food have As good a story here This week
0: no, I, I'm going to tell you, lads, something there this week, okay? There's bad bastards out there. Real fucking bad bastards. And they're looking around corners and cutting holes in fences and peeping over walls and, and, and robbing fucking dogs. There's lads going around robbing dogs, right? I get the price of dogs is sky high at the minute, but there is no need for lads to be going around robbing dogs. It's bad form, and there's only one thing I say to them, lads, and bad luck and bad cess to them. Because I hope it comes back and literally bites them in the hole. Because it's a fucking real bad thing to be robbing someone's pet, a Rex, or a John, or a Tato, or, or whatever else you call a dog. Don't be fucking robbing family
1: petches, bad bastards. James left out the names of his own dogs. Do you remember, he? what are the names of his dogs? Ole. Alright.
0: Oh, After all they go on our salt are that's the new one. And that's why James is so like um sensitive on this subject at the subject right. because he can't touch his little dog. He also has a little Jack Russell called Nancy.
1: Nancy, yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was such an unusual name for a dog. And you have a very beautiful dog, um don't geez, you? How'd
2: you know that? Oh, Instagram has everything,
1: <laughs> yeah Is it a cockapoodle or no? Uh, a cavapoo A cavapoo, yeah you can yeah, yeah. watch watching me house looking for the dogs <laughs> he, <wasn't, laughs> he was complaining <laughs> about
2: gates
0: one week He wasn't that <laughs> gates at your house
2: <laughs> Yeah, no, he's lovely, jeez uh, But your man's right I'd shoot to kill now if anyone tried to take our dog Yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so flash forward now Second week in a row and he's got an unanimous verdict. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is some form of human um,
0: connection there, I think. With James, I yeah. think we're finally getting through to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, inland pipes. <coughs> what would you, what? They aren't really that well known, are they? Or what do you uh, think? How would you describe your trade? Jeez, um, bit of a mystery in any yeah. sense.
2: But yeah, they they're. When I started, uh, I'm going to sound like an old lad now, but it was. 20 years ago this year Jesus that is old um, but when I started it was really feckle and I mean you know you'd hear of our lads maybe who started in the 60s or 70s there was really no one I think there's like there's a, f- a photograph of the the uh, Piper's convention in 1968 it was something like 30 Piper's in the world you know what I mean wow they kind of realised that <laughs> And that was, like, the second time in its history that the thing almost became extinct. So, like, there's another f- uh, photograph from 1901, Fesh killed or something, where there's only about 10 pipers. So at various points in its history, it's almost just disappeared because it's a mad instrument to maintain. It's, mad to, it's very complicated to make, and it doesn't appeal to most people. Well, it didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But ever since the, um, I suppose, since the 1960s, 70s, with a whole kind of boom in folk music and Irish music, it's kind of been on this gradual, uh, you know it's, what would you say, it's been more popular all along. And even in the last 10 years, I've noticed a huge increase in numbers. Um, so the best example is County Leash, um when in two thousand ten, music generation was set up, or two thousand eleven, there was something like two Willam Pipers and leash. One of them actually came from Wexford, right. <laughs> uh, And then now there's something like twenty six or something. Really, it's so, yeah, so really on the
1: up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a unique instrument, though. Like a lot of us is sued with the moisture. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So
2: that's one of the reasons. um Like it's it's a it's an Irish instrument. It's made here, um and we don't have to blow into it. So for anyone who's listening who isn't familiar with it, it's. The illin pipes illin is the Irish word for elbow so you play with your elbows it's not like most bagpipes where you blow into them Mm. so we don't blow into them and because we have this bellows that pumps air into it uh we can the reeds which is the little brain of the instrument that puts the sound in it they last Mm. for for years because there's no like direct contact with moisture again unlike the Scottish bagpipes which everyone knows about so our reeds will last forever but because uh it's you know it's closed off and you're sitting down it's it's kind of a sophisticated civilised instrument, unlike those Scottish <laughs> kind of things. Um it, it looks like you're wrestling a large spider. Yeah it's been what has it been referred to? Wrestling an octopus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's um it's it's a mad thing but it's it's really it's nice, it's a nice sound, but it's complicated as hell. But the, the you run about the moisture, yeah. So um, because there's no direct contact with moisture like from you know saliva or anything, the only moisture it gets is whatever's in in the in the air, you know what I mean, in the atmosphere. Mm. So it always sounds brilliant in Ireland all year round whereas you go off to places like Japan and stuff for real dry countries it fecking goes away to nothing because like, at the end of the day it's a, it's a big lump of wood and like as we know wood shrinks in dry and it expands in moist so it's mm-hmm. always got this nice buzz about it and in like wet days like this they love it
1: right <laughs> you've covered a lot there and you've kind of teed up nicely to <laughs> to discuss this piece that you're going to play for us um, right. so like going back to history um, it was popular among Church of Ireland uh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so
2: yeah as I say even though it's It's now perceived as a traditional Irish instrument. In actual fact, it's perceived as the quintessential Irish instrument. But its history was more associated with gentry and sort of, yeah, the upper classes. Because back in the day, like you take from the uh, early 1700s all the way up into the early 1800s, you know, it wasn't exactly folk music at the time. Like people in cottages weren't playing an instrument like this. It was... Uh, the reason it actually exists in its form is because landlords and all these lads with money at the time had money to spend to sort of, they they became patrons of an instrument, so like, it was almost like the landlord's house, you know, that landlord has a set of pipes, I want a bigger set than him, I want a set that does more than him, so they were pumping money into these pipe maker lads to you know, put more notes on that instrument, put more keys on it, I wanted to do more and those makers were borrowing ideas from oboe makers in France and clarinet makers and everything, so the instrument sort of really reached the height uh it was kind of from the 1760s up until about the irish famine it was really it was kind of really getting out of hand it was almost like pimp my pipes you know you can get these <laughs> like you'll see my set there if you want to put a picture up on, on whatever but yeah, you'll we see will, yeah. It, it's a standard kind of instrument they're all standard now but if you look at their pre famine stuff they're, they're huge things they were given the nickname the irish church organ like they were getting out of hand right, right. so yeah so with the famine then a lot of that uh, knowledge was lost because while those makers were making instruments for these labs with money, there was only maybe one off a year kind of thing. Whereas they were still making the instruments for like the, you know, the professional musician who'd be playing on the streets kind of thing. So the professional musician playing on the streets or the uh, crossroad dances was playing a real simple instrument in comparison to what those other feckers were paying for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's why they
1: exist as they do. And then, uh the good man, um, he was buried with his pipes, I that's think. That's right,
2: yeah. But yeah. well, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Oh, I All mean, right, it could be, but uh, yeah, there's there's a there was a piper down in Cork called uh, uh Michael O'Reevig, Michal O'Reevig, who had the story that grave diggers robbed that set of pipes and he was playing them. And oh, but again, right. I'm not sure if that's the case, it might be a bit of a legend <laughs> attached to it, but and his son has him now. Owner, a
1: great piper in Cork, but uh. Maybe he was. I don't know. Goodman uh, <laughs> left behind a lot of music as well, yeah, though, didn't yeah. he?
2: Yeah, he was Church of Ireland rector down in West Cork, and he was fluent
1: Irish, and he
2: played music. He played pipes. He played flute. Um, but and again, despite what a lot of people think, it was actually Church of Ireland uh, clergymen who more or less saved a lot of Irish music because there was a there was a period after the famine where it was really frowned upon to be making any kind of music, and it was puritanical. Clergy, Catholic clergy, they went out of their way to stop any sort of merrymaking, you know, and it kills me really? to say it. My uncle's <laughs> a priest, you know, <laughs> but yeah. that's what they've done. They went out of their way to stop everything, like yeah. stop crossroad dances. Have it it became, I think there's a term for it in Irish, it became known as the Great Silence or something for a couple of years. And if yeah. it wasn't for those, uh, you know, Church of Ireland rectors and all gathering up this stuff, um, a lot of it would have been lost. But yeah, you mentioned Canon James Goodman, he collected a, an awful lot of music. Uh, in about 20 years after the famine because he could see like that it was disappearing at a rapid pace through death and through emigration and stuff he was based down on the Bear Peninsula in uh, Cork and um as I was saying one of the tunes that turned up in his collection was called The Pretty Girls of Gory mm-hmm. so uh, like I've, I've only learned that one recently but uh, I'd imagine like the only reason he got that is through travelling pipers over the you know at that time yeah. a lad might have picked up the tune around here or maybe he composed the tune maybe he saw The Pretty Girls in Gory yeah. <laughs> you know? but yeah it's interesting to find uh, such a title in a place which at that time would have been what maybe three days mm-hmm. uh, horse ride right away or whatever way it was measured you know what I mean so yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> So it's a good time again. to play it. Yeah, yeah. So this is the uh, pretty girls of Oregon. 1962, the uh, flat co in Gorey. um <clears throat> and by all accounts, it was the first big flood, you know what I mean? And there's some great stories. Like, there's a couple of musicians around, uh, some of the lads I played with in Frenches there, Kevin and Sean Lacey who were young lads at the time, Tomas Keegan, who you probably know was the principal yeah, out there. Yeah, my principal. Kind of, yeah. They were all young lads at the time, and they still go on about that as a kind of a light bulb moment. Like, and you see how pictures of, if you look back in the archives and all, Main Street in Gory thronged with people um and sean made me tell me like for example the Dubliners were sleeping in, in sheds out in the back of air street and stuff like it was it was meant to be the greatest crack of all time i was born about 40 years too late <laughs> but yeah that was the first big um flab and then this tune was composed by a lad called uh oh it's gone for me um, but he was a well-known composer well fiddle player composer from county Ar- uh, tyrone and he was staying out in a caravan park in Corton at the time during the Fla and he composed this you know, tune. a jig called Corton Harbour. So yeah, that's it. Um, Jimmy McHugh was the name of the composer. It came to me. All composer. right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they they might seem impressive and everything to someone who hasn't you know encountered them for the first time, but they're very restricted as well because um, let's say a piano has eight octaves and you can play everything on it. The only pipes only have two, right? Um, and it seems restricted, but at the time they were sort of took their form here in about the. Um, you know late 1700s early 1800s they were quite an advanced instrument like you can imagine if you go back in time before radios and televisions or anything and next thing a lad turns up one of these you can imagine how people like thought that was the rock music of the day Uh, just by today's standards they're not as advanced but they're still more advanced than the Scottish one that's the main thing (laughs) Uh, so yeah I mean most of the stuff we do is jigs and reels and hornpipes we play slow airs and stuff I could play one of them only it'll be on all night and you'll have to the audience crying their eyes out um, they're actually they're famous for that kind of thing like you'll you'll always get asked to play at funerals and stuff they have like they have you hear their real jolly sound but they have this real kind of um what would you say a soulful mournful kind of sound as well like i mean anyone um who's ever watched braveheart there's a scene in that like where you think it's you know they have you believe it's bagpipes but it's the pipes oh because otherwise no. it would sound terrible you know so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, and in the Titanic as well. So they, they were using like they, they were really sort of how'd you say they were really hot stuff back in the 1990s for that sort of iconic.
1: You know, they were kind of saying it as this Celtic mournful kind of stuff. It's a solo instrument, so you ha- everything has to come from yeah, the well, instrument. I mean-
2: it is, I mean, it's at its best when it's solo. I mean, you, you, you tend to hear more, so you can, if, again, for anyone who's not familiar with it, they'll hear all sorts of little things in the background that sound like car horns and everything else. So th- that's what gave it the nickname the Irish Church Organ. There's all possibilities to do different harmonies and stuff. Um, you can play it in bands, and they are using bands and orchestras and everything else, but you generally wouldn't do all that stuff. All that stuff that you see me doing with my wrist, that's kind of improvis- improvisation. So, like, that would change, again, with the weather. So, like, you could be sitting on stage or somewhere. And as the weather changes, you're in a room that's getting hotter. They tend to sort of move in tuning. So you, you as you're playing, you notice, oh, that particular note's going out of tune. I better not play that one again. And, and you're kind of stuck on stage. You can't just, you know. Wow. Uh, so they're, they're, yeah, they are essentially a solo instrument and they're at, they're at their best. But as I say, you can play them in anything from classical music to rock music to bluegrass. They work in... More or less anything,
1: yeah. So there you are, the musician reacting to the mu- to the instrument itself. You, I think you also love reacting to the crowd, like yeah, so. Time, yeah. you're time, yeah. You've played all over the world, you've played yeah. it for the Queen, the Pope, like <laughs> <Yeah>. what? Whoever chooses, <laughs> <laughs> hey for chooses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, uh, what is that like? I, um. I don't know, I
2: I love it. I love the different reactions you get from different people and I, I, I've i done an awful lot of travel over the years and I've done an awful lot with uh, the likes of Culture Ireland and Department of Foreign Affairs where you might go off to uh, different places. So like in 2013, uh, that one stands out because I spent about a month on my own in Japan going around. It was a Culture Ireland stroke, Department of Foreign Affairs stroke, uh, Japanese MC thing where every year they got... Um, someone from the arts in Ireland to go over and talk about Ireland or something so I the only thing I was lacking was that I'm not fluent Irish I had the red hair, I had the pipes (laughs) and everything else (laughs) Uh, so I was sent around different universities and schools and different uh, educational organisations over there talk about pipes, talk about Irish music talk about Ireland even, do you know what I mean and it was kind of cool because uh, they'd never saw anything like this, they just thought it was just, they were blown away by it Um, and it's become a huge thing over in, in places like Japan and China so uh, like I said earlier on, there's a photograph of Ireland in 1968 with about 28 or 30 pipers. There's now a, a piper club in, uh, in Tokyo or something. You know, it's like the, the Father Ted scene there like, <laughs> to tell in Chinatown on Craigie Island. But they're mad into it. Like, one of the best <laughs> pipe makers is now a lad from uh, Japan, you know. Wow. So it's really gone global. Um, and I love playing everywhere. But I, I mean, if the truth be told, I love playing at home. As I say, uh, you can't beat a bit of crack in a place like French's. Like You just can't beat that sort of buzz you know what I yeah. mean um, so yeah I, I suppose it takes all sorts um, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and did you get to meet the Queen Or um, so when that concert was finished that was in the convention centre in 2011 and uh, there was kind of Jesus. the who's who of Ireland was in the audience I was so fucking nervous because when when she came in we were all on stage we all had stand up and you know the lights all came on and it was a special invitation for the audience that night so there was different sections. There was a political crowd in the middle. The um, And where I was situated, I was looking straight down at the sports crowd. And the first head I saw popping up was Keith Wood. And I was looking around, Jesus, that's Henry Sheffield. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're seeing all these people and you're thinking, Jesus. It was almost like the, the pick of the country were in the audience. And I started getting really feckin' nervous. Um, but I didn't meet her. So at the end of the concert then, um, Gay Byrne, he presented a show... Uh, David Brophy was conducting. They had a line of all these people. Uh, your one, Mary Byrne was flying it at the time because of X Factor. Or Britain's Got <laughs> Talent, one of them things, and all these big shots are out right in front. And then you had the kind of second row of lesser important people <laughs> like me. <laughs> uh, and then at the back you had the poor children's choirs and stuff. But i was unfair. They should have been over <laughs> <in> the front. <laughs> but I didn't actually meet her or talk to her. Um, she was sort of led along to all the, the more important people, the chieftains and all them. And um, But while she was going along there Prince Philip actually wandered over to me (laughs) I was standing there with the pipes and he came over and he had hands behind his back and he was looking at them and he says something like you know you must be double jointed to play that thing and, like, and I didn't know what to say it <laughs> <laughs> what do you say back you know uh, I often thought about it Do you ever see that Mr Bean uh, sketch from years ago where he headbutts the queen you know I was thinking I could have done something like that you know some crack <laughs> uh, but yeah I, yeah I probably should have said something back to him you know instead of just laughing nervously <laughs> Uh, and then the Pope yeah I didn't actually get to meet him uh, which I would love So for the crack just to say it you know geez i met the Pope that was only two years ago 2018 Yeah. Uh, but I was frightfully close to him like I could have you know I probably shouldn't say it, but I could have reached out and grabbed him for the crack yeah. and pulled out of him uh, but so we were on the altar and when he was gone off like after the Mass like he was basically about a meter away from me I was really going to give him you know I'd love to give him a shout you know uh, but yeah of course you wouldn't do something like that but um, <laughs> so yeah they're probably two of the most high profile gigs I've done the Pope and the Queen yeah I and don't then, know if it gets higher than that <laughs>
1: <laughs> when you're playing for an audience like are some rowdier well not rowdier but more <laughs> vocal than others oh, yeah. and then the Germans could be dead still yeah. or quiet well, like, the Japanese
2: no, as I say like Jesus, uh, we got every sort of sense over there I mean um, we were playing at Irish pubs where they go mad trying to It was kind of put on because they weren't exactly drunk you know and then they had these big sort of elementary schools over there and it was unbelievable you're in these huge big halls and you would have about a thousand students sitting there with their arms crossed and stuff and not a peep out of not even moving and i was thinking like jesus when i was that age back in the day in the cvs and gory here and if anyone came in at all even in the class you'd be you know you'd have a bit of freedom the teacher be half trying to keep the guest sort of uh, (laughs) you know and we'd be bursting each other at the back of it all sorts you know it's just yeah so that was ultimate silence that kind of thing the rowdy kind of crowd. You wouldn't, um, you wouldn't really get much of a rowdy crowd as such. Um, I can't think of any gig where I was at where you know there'd be a rowdy crowd as such. Uh, maybe I was the rowdy one. I can't remember. But uh, <laughs> you would get it. You know, in it's the likes the flock holes, you'd be in a in a packed in pub or something. Yeah. And, you know. But you'd be part of it Like you wouldn't That's the buzz be, yeah, 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 yeah yeah, That's what it would be, uh, it wouldn't be <laughs> It's not like the uh, That scene of the Titanic Where there's lads Falling over tables <laughs> Maybe there is I
1: don't know <laughs> <laughs> That's in the back of French Is where we are yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 And music generally Then Mark Like it's all Pop now, And we, we I think we listen to Like on our Radio station, like, mainly just the top 40 or, you know, yeah. like, it, it's very... But yet music still has, a, like, a, a great resonance for a lot of people. And, like, obviously uh, everyone has their favourite bands, favourite yeah, yeah. artists, everything. What Why or what do you think it is about music that stirs... Like, a lot of it now is, you know, auto-tuned or whatever yeah. so that we enjoy certain parts of it. Yeah, like,
2: I don't know. Uh, so a lot of people seem to... Well, from my experience, a lot of people get into music sort of in teenage years or something happens and I think I got into it much earlier. But I could I could see like when I was in, in school, for example, people who never give a, a crap about music all of a sudden finding something, getting into it. And it could be something very small, like uh we mentioned Braveheart. You could be watching a film and something might just tick with you. And you're like, geez that's brilliant. Same as if you're watching if someone's into sport or watching a sports documentary or something and there's this piece of music and all of a sudden it gets them, oh that was really cool that you know, and it gets them thinking about it. And yeah. you know, I think that happens at a certain age um and i can't remember what it was for me but for as long as i remember i just had this mad love for traditional music you know even when i was very young
1: so it's more like a light bulb moment that you see i think so yeah right yeah yeah yeah. okay um
2: and then like you do you do see some people it depends on the individual because you do see some people and their parents might be into music and they get into it through that but then you have the opposite where their parents play music and say i'm not having anything to do with that it turns them off you know what i mean so uh yeah, it depends on the individual. And one thing I used to always hear was, "Jesus, all oh, the music is in your family. You must, you must be—that's where it comes from." But that's definitely not the case either. <laughs> yeah. If you're interested in something, again, it's like sport. It, you know, you don't inherit it. It's because you have such an interest in something that you're constantly driving yourself and pushing yourself. It's not as if. Just because such and such his father was a great hurler doesn't mean he's going to be a good mm. one. He has to work at it, like, do you know what I mean? And he has to have the interest to drive yeah. himself to do it. It's not, oh, he's great because he's his father, or whatever, you know? <laughs> he's a great cook because his mother was a good cook yeah. or something. It's the interest and the drive that, you know,
1: gets you there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's just
2: my philosophy, you know? I know. Yeah. But
1: then, drilling <laughs> down to that, like, say, at the end of a piece of music, like, when you release at the, at the end of, or, you know, you were saying how an inland pipe tune can end in mm. so many different ways, like, it it kind of sits with the audience and then you have that round of applause Like, yeah. what, what that that's a unique moment where yeah, you know yeah. everyone if you ask anyone like i think victor frankl there's um this is going way off topic but like he says that the, you know if you asked anyone at the end of their favorite symphony if there's a meaning to life they'd say oh absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so what is that power that, that that music brings do you think yeah well that's
2: happened to me a couple of times and they've been really big performances up in the national concert hall with the rt symphony orchestra and it was a piece uh, composed by sean davey so like just not to sort of knock what i was playing here but that's just our sort of bread and butter we just do that that's a bit of crack and we change that from day to day like i'm not going to play that exactly the same tomorrow but um the sean davy music is kind of composed for pipes and orchestra so you kind of you haven't got as much freedom to play around you have to get it right and with that then comes an extra pressure you know what i mean so that piece he composed it in 1979 and finished it in 1980 and that was composed for limo flynn the, the great piper who died in 2018 and uh so i've done that uh, first I had to step in for Liam O'Flynn when he was sick in 2017 yeah. then the next year I'd done it as a tribute concert to him which was really Jesus that was as far as I was concerned that was the most nervous I ever was because it was for him and the, the crowd that day were like friends and family and the who's who of traditional music was there Um, but the end of it like, there's a point in that where it's about 40 odd minutes long 45 minutes or something depending on how fast you play it <laughs> uh, but there's a point in it and so many people have said it to me where you're sitting there and you're constantly thinking you can't switch off a minute because you're in and you're out and you're, there's different time signature changes and it's a mad piece of music. But there's a point at the end where, you know, there's about maybe two or three minutes left and it's kind of, you're, you know, like you you can't make a mistake at that point. It's You can kind of switch off then. So for the couple of times I've played it, the amount of people said to me, oh, towards the end I'm sort of swinging in the chair and having a crack and stuff, and then it finishes it and the, the bloody, uh, the, the sound that goes off, it's just, it's, it's the equivalent for me of winning the All-Ireland Hurling final or something. It's just, like, you can't, you'll you'll see videos on YouTube and stuff of the crowd reaction but when you're in there it's just, it's enclosed and it's just, it would send shivers down your spine and it lives with you for days. Like, it's just, it's just, that's such a buzz and um, it's such a buzz, is right, like, Jesus, the first time I played it, uh, like, you're on a high, you're on cloud nine and uh, David Brophy went up to Claude and my wife, and he was saying, "You better watch him there for a couple of days because he's on such a high now that when he comes down, he's gonna be really down." You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and it actually, and we were kind of expecting a couple of days later I was gonna be in an awful state. It actually happened that night when I got home. I just remember <laughs> it was Paddy's night, two thousand seventeen, and getting home, and uh, you know, blues are still open. I got the last few in fringes and stuff, and I was just on such a cloud. And uh, then I went home that night and I remember just sitting at the kitchen table, like, thinking, oh, Jesus, that's it now. I can't get any higher than that. Like, fuck my life. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> it went from such a buzz to, like, in, in a space of a night. But I was, you know, they were all saying, Jeez, this wasn't meant to happen to like, next Wednesday, not tonight. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, my bubble burst uh, sooner than expected. Yeah, <laughs> But, yeah, as I say, uh, you know, it must be the equivalent of winning in All-Ireland, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just not on a big stage because... Do you know, like Hurland or Illin pipes? obviously the Herlands it, it reaches more people. But as I say, for our little world, that's the equivalent, I suppose, you know, because yeah. it sounds like we can go and beat the heads off each other for 70 minutes. But and <laughs> and <get it. laughs>
1: 2017, like, I remember that day because I thought this is such a huge moment. Like, Nemo Flynn, obviously, unfortunately, through illness, wasn't able to play that day and mm. you were the next one. Like, yeah. it must have been... Uh, Mad, it really. was
2: because he was one of my heroes and he still is, you know. Yeah, when I was younger. Like, I mean, most Illum Pipers will have him as one of their big influences. He was, uh, like we won't appreciate it until for many years the impact he's made. <clears throat> like, there's so many people have come to me over the years who said, Oh, I got into Illum Pipes because of uh, Lemo Flynn. So many people moved to Ireland because of, of his music, you know. Um, so that that was real, uh, that was a, a funny old time. That was uh, the end of february there was basically there was two weeks you know to to get it right and um david brophy ran me one time every time he rings me i i, I just say he's the, he's the conductor with the
1: yeah. rt orchestra yeah, yeah
2: he was the principal conductor with the concert orchestra and now he's freelance so he could he can do concert orchestra symphony orchestra and everything yeah. in between so he's he's uh, he's brilliant he really is he's uh, he's an absolute legend um but anyway he rang me and it was uh Every time I say he rings me I've, I don't get the you know I never I was like oh shit Miss never Dave you oh shit <laughs> you know uh, so he, I rang him back then and he was saying um, oh, Liam Othlin's after putting his back out and the RT uh, or the concert hall are going to pull this gig and I was saying no 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 don't don't pull it uh, I know a lad who might be able to do it and the reason is because in 2012 the 100th anniversary of the Titanic setting off from Queenstown which is now Cove was held there was a week's series of uh, concerts down there that year and uh, one of the I had to play loads of stuff in it with a kind of a with the orchestra of Ireland at the time uh, but one of the pieces was one of the movements from the Brenda Voyage so there's 10 movements all together so he was kind of thinking alright he's done that one he can he can learn the others uh, so I was kind of the minute he said it like oh, Jesus I kind of got a fright I was like yeah I was never going to say no because it was such it was a huge opportunity you know so i done it but like uh, I remember being in such a panic then to learn it so the, the first thing I'd done I was up in Dublin at the time the first thing I'd done was put the earphones in went to the old recording of Liam O'Flynn doing it and I listened to it solid then the whole way home and uh got home Sean Davy had sent an email with all the music and I remember not really sleeping well that night thinking like Jesus I'd learn all this in two weeks and uh, I kind of had it learned off in a couple of days then out of sheer bloody terror you know so then I was thinking to myself the two weeks would not end it was the longest two weeks of my life It was like <laughs> I've got this music now and I just want to go and get it done I was like the longest I'll never forget it it just went on and on and on and I like, Jesus you know so, yeah, that was, that was that. And that's the first time I've done it in its entirety. And I've done it uh, three times since. And, uh, yeah, there's no comparison. It's just the greatest yeah. buzz of all time, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so, Mark, we started last week a new game called The Best 30 Seconds of Your Life. We gave Gavin the topic of uh, different expressions for being hungover. He managed to get seven, so he's currently at the top of our leaderboard. So, Mark, I'm going to give you a topic and I'd like to give you to give me as many answers or as many related items to what I give you within 30 seconds. Right. So, Mark, your chosen topic this week is orchestral <coughs> instruments.
2: Grand. So, clarinet, oboe, double bass, violin, cello, uh, piano, uh, j- percussion, uh, flute, piccolo, uh, organ. Jesus! Uh, oh, <laughs> double bass. Did I say that? Yeah. Ten seconds. Um, uh, Jesus. Uh five. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh my head's frozen. That's it. Time <laughs> up. Ten I'm done. Ten. Pete
1: Gavin Sapi Stopp- at the I, head. Jeez, I should have rattled out loads and such <laughs> <laughs> can you put on the spot? Brilliant. That's I, ten. And now part two of the game show. Mark, open. Part two of the game <laughs> show.
0: <laughs> now Mark, seeing as you are a musician, we have a new game for you <laughs> called Now that's what I call Septic 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give you a list of things that people either love or hate and I'd like you to tell me whether it's septic or savage right. so either Safety good septic being <laughs> crap and sa- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so you either love it or hate it okay number one pineapples on pizza
2: savage I, I do love that I must, I must say yeah. I, I agree actually I don't yeah. get I know, why everyone's am so it, upset it, here like, here it's yeah. yeah. fine it's fine <laughs> it's more <laughs> of a over. continental thing I think that yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, they don't like that it's you know pineapples are for dessert only <laughs> Number two Nationwide Uh, Savage Because that's me On the team tune Playing there Is it Is it
3: Yeah (laughs) Really (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
2: god Wow
0: I'd have to change My answer Mine was septic For that one Uh,
2: Number three The Luke Kelly statue On Sheriff Street that's yeah that's controversial at the moment I do think it's savage but uh, I think it's accepted the way the feckers keep going at it but uh, I would say they need to put it on a higher uh... put it higher up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I haven't actually seen it in person yet but I, I, I do like it it's, it's unique it's not like it you know yeah. fine red head on him and all that I love yeah, it, I I love it. Definitely. yeah definitely <laughs> number four Arglow <laughs> yes, move on, move on <laughs> <laughs> quick. Number five, Smiddix. Uh, savage. I love Smiddix,
0: it's, it's my go to drink. Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> Next, hand passing in junior B. Uh,
2: hmm. yeah, you'd want that's kind of in between because there's not like a big, ignorant, dirty hand pass, <laughs> I mean, you know, like the old Tony Dorn ones into the goal. Not, you know, you have to, is, is it a hand passer, what? you know. I'll say septic dust. Yeah, septic. Yeah, rather a a bit more skillful. Yeah, long ball all day.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Next ball, you probably won't get this reference. This is belonging to Michael. Uh, Inviting Cormac Moore to your birthday party. (laughs)
2: Uh, Ah, septic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Michael agrees. (laughs) He didn't invite Cormac. (laughs) Next one, no uniform days in school. I used to hate that. Yeah, septic. Yeah, just, just,
2: yeah. I thought they were savage. Well maybe it was different from your time but for our time it was just oh, it was crap it was just oh, everyone was either wearing like the, the oh, it was crap not it was nothing really to write home about it was it, I didn't mind I used to just wear my old check shirt and be you know called a farmer or wear a western or whatever <laughs> uh, but yeah you could just see one's going out of the way to put on this fashion show and stuff and just put the uniform on everyone march and step and do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is seafood. 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 Uh, well, do you mean like proper seafood or like fish fingers? You know what I mean? No, um, <laughs> yeah, not seafood. Proper seafood. Uh, savage. Savage. Yep. Oh, my God,
0: a cultured man. Next, Liam Spratt's commentary.
2: Ah, uh, you love it, but you hate it because, <laughs> because it? when you're when you're when you're when you're listening, when you're not <clears throat> able to watch a match, but and you've you've only him to rely on. Is it? <laughs> it's all about no, no. It's void. So there's been so many times that uh, yeah, but you'd have to say ah he's made the world a brighter place when you listen back to the clips yeah. there of the likes of the Kilkenny match in Wexford Park a couple of years ago it's in the net it's in the net so uh, for that reason Savage, savage. <laughs> next playing the recorder uh Septic Septic, septic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's your career down the window shot
0: down again next is dancing at the crossroads Savage, savage. in every sense Savage yeah. uh, after that then dancing at a T-junction <laughs> uh nah <no>, Septic,
3: septic. <laughs>
2: Uh, playing Skittles outside Browns Savage I used to do it for a couple of years I haven't done it but I really I miss it Um, who did you play with me and my brothers had a a crowd Uh, we'd done it for two years never game anywhere We, we met yeah, I don't should say we got to the second round or something, but it was always actually at the time when do you remember um when Heaton Buckley's used to be up on the top of the main street? Yeah. They used to have a shed up there and they had an indoor uh, Skittles no set way. up there. They used to be practicing at wow. a lunch. It was pretty it was top of the range because then you the go down percent. to Brown's and it's on a it's on a you know, it's an angle there. So uh, but they always used to win, they were they were great. But I used to love it when I was younger, yeah. I haven't yeah. done it for years, but that's savage, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it's cool, like it's it's actually one of the things I missed with all this going on. Yeah. Skittle's so savage, yeah. My dad was part of the Crown Raw Stashers. He won the <laughs> won the championship title a good few times. Right. <laughs> they were raw, right, I believe, back then. Oh
0: the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that then Is eating skittles Outside Browns uh, No, Septic <laughs> <laughs> last but not least Is Paper Tuesday's podcast Savage, Savage. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> Deadly Mark that's Deadly The thanks, world Mark. needs to know More about
2: it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well thanks Billy. What have you learned today Mark
0: That was unreal I learned so much About dealing pipes Yeah Unbelievable Yeah I actually learned What they were Coming up today Interview right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought they were The backpipes like, I just thought Ealing was another yeah, word For a back That's pipe, what most people think yeah, yeah. Clearly that's a, a race <laughs> She'll slur in your book <laughs> yeah what about you Michael
1: I learned that it's okay to meet your heroes that's <laughs> like Mark is a true expert man Wexican to the core gory man to the core like uh, one thing I uh, loved that when we won the Senior Hurling Championship, when we won the Senior Hurling, this yeah. is so gory spec. I'm sorry for anyone not from Gory listening, but um, you were the one who had the fil- the t- Twitter coverage yeah, of yeah, the yeah. video of the lads marching yeah. out of town and the pipe band leading Yeah, yeah, Like You captured that uh,
2: moment. Yeah, and Michael Darcy from the band Cornerboy only reminded me of that yesterday because, oh, Jesus, uh, that went viral. It was like 10,000 or I don't know, even 30,000 views in a couple of days. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, typically, you know, I, I put up a video of myself playing, I get like, 200 lo- <laughs> views or something <laughs> uh, and then I done it last year for the Leinster final coming up and uh, yeah it didn't go as viral but uh, yeah there's a good few views on it but uh, Michael Darcy's on about that because we bet well I say we Gory bet St. Martins at the time and I often bring it up he's uh, your man in Corner Boy you know the, the lead singer mm, yeah. so yeah no I love it I feckin love it um, i yeah passionate about the old place I'm even wearing a feckin yellow belly top the, yeah. the who's <laughs> the uh, the Wexford drink the oh the, the beer
0: yes. yeah yeah I, just, I, I love it
2: yeah uh, I, you know the way um, Tyke Furlong and Doyle and some of these people like they have been given this brand as a Wexford ambassador kind of thing oh, yeah. I, I can mm-hmm. love something like that I love it because every time I do go off somewhere I'm all on about it oh it's a great place you should come down and everything else yeah. You know? so yeah, yeah no it is it's a good old spot <laughs> and Mark what have you learned today uh, that art of ascetic <laughs> <laughs>